Miller and Condon. Ken Miller. Trent Condon. This is Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station. 106.3 KXNO. All right, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Miller and Condon on a somber Thursday. It's Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. Trent Condon and Ken Miller are going to talk sports with you uh, for the next couple of hours. Appreciate you uh, spending some of your time here with us, as KXNO did earlier. If there's any, I'm anticipating uh, more press conferences that air during 11 to 1, that uh, we would uh, certainly uh, do what we can to make those available uh, to you surrounding these unfortunately sad situation as it hits all too close to home a uh, shooting at a high school here in the state of Iowa this time, uh, just north of us in, I guess, northwest of us uh, in Perry. So we'll talk sports, a little escape for those of you who are looking for an escape, but uh, certainly the furthest thing uh, from both Trent and my mind is uh, is the world of sports here this morning and hopefully for the best for everybody and that you are not one of the parents or a family member that's sadly going to get a call that you did not foresee coming uh, at any point in your life as it hits a little bit too close to home here uh, this morning, but we shouldn't be surprised, uh, uh, sadly, uh, in the world that we live in. Hello, Trent. How are you? Yeah, very difficult day. Uh, obviously, a community that uh, all of us know too well uh, hits incredibly close to home. Um, the Dallas County Sheriff is a friend of mine, and uh, seeing him up there and, and just the devastation. Was that him at the press conference? It was, yeah. A guy that I've known for two decades, um, a great person, great family, and obviously everybody impacted. Um, not a whole lot that we can say in things, and I think he said it right. This is not certainly our strength, but... Uh, thoughts and prayers do nothing. Um, there's needs to be more that needs to be done, obviously, for these kind of situations. But in the here and now, we will try to deviate and put on the best show that we can for take people's minds off it and talk a little sports and, and give people a respite if they need it here from, um, unfortunately, the real world. Indeed. Uh, the BMW Des Moines guest list shapes up like this. We will uh, talk some NFL, one of the regional teams in a real fight for their spot. That would be the Green Bay Packers, the Vikings, and the Bears on the outside looking in. Chiefs have their spot. They're the three in the AFC. As you heard Ron say, uh, Patrick Mahomes will not play uh, in the game this weekend, which is the right decision. Doesn't need to play against the Chargers, but the Packers have a big spot against those Chicago Bears, the NFL's oldest rivalry, and Dave Sinekin. Uh, from zonecoverage.com, who's joined us uh, over the, the decades to talk about the Packers. Of course, he also does uh, some work for with our sister station, KFAN, up in the Twin Cities. He hosts a Saturday program, as well as in year 28 of hosting Packer Preview on the flagship of the Minnesota Vikings. But uh, Sinekin will join us on that. We'll do the Chicken Coop. We'll give four of you an opportunity uh, to win some grub from our friends at the Chicken Coop, three locations, Ankeny, Urbandale and West Des Moines. That'll come up about 10 minutes before noon. And if you haven't played in the last 30 days, you are eligible to do so. Be listening for your cue to call there. We'll take a look at the Big 12 hoops as we get set to embark on, uh, on a, what should be a fascinating couple of months. Uh, Big 12 basketball-wise, Matt Postens from Heartland College Sports going to be with us. And then Bill Bender, who will be making his way down to Houston 
to cover the national championship game uh, for his outfit, the Sporting News, well, the outfit he works for, the Sporting News, uh, will join us uh, before Trent's plays of the day. So locally, basketball last night, only one of the four in action was the Panthers. Let's start there briefly. We mm-hmm. need to give them their due, Trent. Uh, big win for, for Jacobson's team last night. Going out on the road, I'm not sure what kind of team Mo State is. Uh, but look, at the end of the day, you put one in the win column, and uh, and did so on the road, so you'll take that every single time. Absolutely, you know, you and I had built themselves an zero and two hole after their games that and that crossover November into December. They played two games and just got uh, beat by uh, Belmont by twenty at home. Mm-hmm. The lost overtime game against Evansville. So this is one. Remember, you and I coming into the year, they were talked about right there at the top. It was you yes. and I along with Drake. Uh, towards the top of the conference, and Bradley were kind of the three teams talked about at the top. Uh, Bradley and you and I both sit at 1-2 and two now, and of course Drake and Indiana stayed off to that 3-0 and start, but got off to a really good start in the game. It was great. Uh, Rooney was on the call. Uh, NBC Sports Chicago had it last night, so didn't have to worry about you know, watching it on the iPad or trying right. to stream it up there. Just able to watch it on the TV. Man, what, what a what a way to watch sports, right? <laughs> watch it. On <laughs> Those were the days, Trent Condon. <laughs> right. But uh, tell able your to do that. Way, one day, way back, you used yeah, to be able to yeah. tune on this flat screen and uh, watch TV. Yeah, you had this clicker in your hand. You just bounce yeah. around. It was great. But that and aside, you look what's coming up on TV in, in what was once called a newspaper right. that actually does deliver to your door every single day. My kids don't know a whole lot about newspapers, that is for no. sure. But flipping it on, jumped out to an early lead, hearing Rooney on the call. All right, we're it's January, here we go, MVC hoops, and we'll be hearing a whole lot more of him through March, yeah. uh, calling those MVC games. Jacob Hudson, the kid that they got from Loyola. Where did he come from? That's what I thought. Yeah. He was from the Valley, wasn't he? He was. So he was at Loyola. And he was, but just, he was back at Loyola when Loyola was down. I mean, he's been there for a while. Am I wrong? He was, yeah. He played on a freshman in the uh, 2021 team. That team that had the really good run, made it to the Sweet 16, got beat by Oregon State that year as an eight seed. They're the one that upset Illinois. Remember that second round game yeah, when the Illini were the one yes. seed. So he was on that team. He played a little bit. I think he played about half the season. You know, he was a pretty deep reserve there. Just never saw the playing time increase. I think at the level that you'd anticipate from him, played more as a sophomore, as a junior. He's really good. He is 6'11", 250. I mean, he's got the size. And though he's not uber-athletic, he's really Mm -hmm. smart with his footwork. He's lumbering at times. You know, he's not going to wow you with athleticism, but he knows how to use his body. He was really, really good in the game. He's been able to step out, knock down threes, hasn't hit one yet, but he's really a complete player. And then Bowen Bourne, he was the one that won the game late in the game. Bowen had a putback with his right hand. We know he's a lefty and in traffic, got the offensive rebound, went right back up with it with his right hand, and then hit a corner three uh, that gave them a five-point lead at the time. They held on at the end. Most State had a shot at the horn that would have wanted a three from the corner. That was wide open, but uh, wasn't able to knock that one down as you and I survives and now gives them a little bit of hope now going into conference play as we get a little bit deeper here to make a run because coming up next on Sunday... They get Indiana State. Oh, get that wouldn't one. that be nice? Yeah, in McLeod. Knock them off. Perfect. And after that game, they are favored in the next five games after that. So a chance of a run here for the Panthers, and all of a sudden, maybe changing the conversation a little bit about you and I. 
Well, as you mentioned, you think back to preseason, they were one of the teams that were mentioned that could uh, conceivably uh, wear the Valley crown when it was all said and done. They did not get off to the start, but uh, but good to see in a day. Look, I didn't see it. I was um, I don't get that chat. Didn't get that channel out here. Um, I watched Nebraska and uh, Indiana, which was uh, uh, for trying to find that second team in the Big Ten. You did not like Indiana going into yesterday. I'm assuming you haven't changed your mind after that. Nebraska was good. But just just one more thing uh, is I was watching mass last night for the for the Huskers and obviously what Cricky is doing at Iowa. Uh, do you anticipate that this is going to be the norm now that, I mean, maybe Hudson's a guy, right? Because he's got another year of eligibility. Mm-hmm. What Big Ten team is he going to be uh, applying his trade for next year as, as both Ryan uh, Mast and uh, and Ben Cricky have worked out very well for their respective teams? I, absolutely. I think there's going to be a whole lot of that. There's going to be, obviously, the NIL opportunities that afford themselves moving up, and, and you're going to see that. It makes it incredibly difficult to roster build when you're talking about the mid-major and low-major level as you look around. And pretty much every single time I'm watching a game now, I'm like, where'd this guy come from? And it's so rare. About the only team, that at least top-level team, that doesn't have somebody like that that I've seen this year is Marquette. Marquette's just okay. been a team that's kind of grown old together, and it's just such a rarity from guys like Kolick that have been around for for three years yet. He even started his career at George Mason, and he go around. But teams that grow together... It's just such a rarity anymore in college basketball, and you got to find out where'd this guy come from. And it goes to show you, too, I mean, these are guys that are coming from the mid-major ranks, not from great teams, from teams that were also rans in their mid-major conferences and were decent players. And all of a sudden, they get to the major conference level, and they're good. It's, yes. There is so much talent out there. I think that's what it shows you, and spreading out a little bit, no doubt, but... Seeing that, seeing where guys come from, and not very easy now for the Darren DeVries and the Ben Jacobsons of the world keeping those rosters together. Yep, sadly, you're 100% right, and uh, give both of those coaches credit for doing uh, as, as well as they have up to this point. You know, speaking of guys transferring, it's obviously a story that we hear a lot about now in, in, in a lot of different sports. What do we make of the story that Iowa is going to at least kick the tires on a, uh, a transfer quarterback from Oregon? Trent, I know nothing about Ty Thompson. I, I looked up kind of um, you know, his history, obviously he was playing behind Bo Nix and he played a little bit earlier in the year, uh, but, but the Liberty Bowl that got out of hand, not the Liberty Bowl, the game against Liberty that got out of hand, um, it was a different backup quarterback that Oregon put in once Nix's day was over. I don't know if that has anything to do with the, uh, with the young man deciding at that point when the decision was, uh, was made that he was going to, uh, move on. But what do we make of Ty Thompson? Uh, obviously, he's a dual-threat quarterback. Cade McNamara is there. We saw Marco Linez, uh, what he could do. Not sure if he can throw the ball, but we certainly saw that he could run. What do we make of this? Uh, it shows you that uh, they're not done shopping, which is a good thing because, well, it, the reality is that Cade McNamara has had two significant injuries the last two seasons. He's not going to be ready for spring football. And coming back after a second knee surgery, after having knee surgery on the other knee the year previous, he's a brilliant quarterback. Back-to-back seasons with season-ending injuries mm-hmm. shows you just that. Iowa understands and realizes what, well, I think all of us can see, that they don't have a backup that they're comfortable with. Obviously, Deacon Hill was the backup and the starter throughout the course of the final eight games of the season. It was a disaster. They were not willing to give Marco Lyonez a shot until absolutely necessary in the bowl game, down 28 nothing after three turnovers from 
Deacon Hill. So they're out there, they're shopping, and they're understanding that Mm -hmm. they probably don't feel like maybe they have the in-house guy ready to go either. And with a player like Ty Thompson, they have a background with him. They recruited him incredibly hard. Thompson has a background. His mom's family is from the state of Iowa. That's where the initial connection came from. And I don't know. I mean, connecting some dots here. You know, there is a Casper out there at Oregon, too. Maybe maybe bring his buddy along, Kyler Casper, and all of a sudden you get the one-two punch that people were dreaming about in the recruiting world, what, three years ago, those two guys together. Uh, Changes the complexion of things, certainly. Pushes McNamara. More talent's not a bad thing, and quarterback ken what do you always say you don't have have a chance trent absolutely you just don't whatever level of uh, football you're playing so i mean how 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 does ference i guess try to sell him doesn't have an offensive coordinator Mm -hmm. probably got one in mind right um does he share that with the young man i mean i do the the visit supposedly going to happen tomorrow correct a friday yeah yep which uh, is tomorrow so um how close was he to Iowa in the past? Was there was there ever any thought that you know what they're, they're going to get Ty Thompson? It was a five star. I mean, you got to mm-hmm. give him credit. He had all those stars beside his name coming out of high school. Was he close before? And how does Farron sell his program, knowing that you know at this point there's no quarterback coach, there's no offensive coordinator? What does he do? I, I think you have to sell him on changes coming and. Whatever that idea is, what it's going to be, what we're doing offensively is going to work with your skill set. And I think that's what you have to sell. It's not an easy sell at this point in time. But the other thing is, what other options are out there right now for a guy like Ty Thompson? I mean, you look around college football, and most of the seats are filled already. We already know the destination of a bunch of these transfer quarterbacks. And you can look at a situation a place, obviously, he was comfortable during the recruiting process, a place that he knows he's been to, he understands kind of what it takes at this level, and a guy that probably also believes in himself. Like Dylan Gabriel is going to be the quarterback at Oregon next year. He's looking at another right. season. All right, I go in to a place. Cade McNamara, he was such an upgrade from what they had before with Spencer Petras that people got excited. But let's not make Cade McNamara out to be I agree with you. Johnny Manziel. Right. This is a guy that can move a little bit. Mm-hmm. was never an uber-athlete by any means. Now you're talking about a guy coming off an ACL injury. He's not going to be ready until August, best-case scenario, and be able to go full bore. You come in during the spring, you can change things, you can change mm-hmm. minds, and it changes the equation for him. I don't think he's scared of competition. I don't think that that is going to scare him away. It's more about fairness and company having to sell him. This is what we're going to do. This is how this offense is going to evolve. And you're going to be a part of that going forward. Well, this would send a huge message, Trent, to the fan base that they are about uh, are willing to embrace change. Something that, look, a lot of people have wondered if that would ever come uh, under Kirk Ferentz mm-hmm. to the University of Iowa. But if it's a dual threat quarterback, if Ty Thompson uh, is willing to obviously he's he's jumping on an airplane he's going to be here tomorrow to take his visit that indicates that uh, that that maybe things aren't going to be same old same old we wondered well is it you know regardless of who the offensive court does it really matter in the grand scheme of things it's kirk's offense and he's going to do what he wants well maybe maybe the old man's changing a little bit well and it's it's so funny because we both hear that all the time and as you know it drives me nuts it really does because It's not the same thing every time. The offensive coordinators, every one of the three offenses have looked different. There has been an ability for the coordinator to put their stamp on things and do things. I think that they got so entrenched with tight end use 
And it's always been a great thing. I mean, going back to Dallas Clark. I mean, even before that, you had Zeron Flemister, you know, your number one. <laughs> I forgot all about him. <laughs> you know, they, Austin Wheatley. I mean, they, there were yeah. guys that played in the league early in the Ferentz era. I, I believe that Brian Ferentz, with his background, obviously starting as a tight end coach with, with the Patriots before Patriots, becoming yeah. an offensive line coach, it almost that, that he became too enamored. Yes, it's going to be a part of the Iowa offense. It needs to be, but it was tight end first. And that just doesn't work anymore. And as things became more and more difficult, as more and more wide receivers left, and, and they were so depleted, I mean, going into last year, you know, you're down to, what, two scholarship wide receivers out there. Mm-hmm. They were incredibly depleted that they relied too much on it. Moving back to that, moving back to an area where tight ends are going to be a part of the offense. They're not going five wide. They're not doing anything like that, but not an offense that is directly directly impacted by the tight end position. That is something that you can sell to. So Kirk Ferentz has made change. We've talked about the changes coming out of 2014. There were real changes that happened then. You go back before that, 2007, 2008, real changes happened inside the program and ultimately led to an Orange Bowl year, led to 2015 after 14 and what they did changing things up. And even last season, going into portal season or even at the end of the season, because Iowa lost that final game to Nebraska, and right away the Cade McNamara rumor started, and there were so many people rolling their eyes, no way that they're going to do that. Not only they go get Cade McNamara, they got eight guys out of the portal, something that people did not believe Kirk Ferentz was willing to do. To think that he won't evolve, that he won't change, history tells you he absolutely will. He has, he will, and I think he's going to continue to do that. That is where the respect needs to maintain for Kirk Ferentz. Are there old school tendencies? Absolutely. Are there things you'd like to see change a little bit faster? I don't think there's any doubt about that. But think that he is unwilling to make any kind of necessary change. History tells you you're dead wrong. Except in one case, and that's his quarterback oh, throughout the season. Yeah, that's right. right. In and season. he digs it in season. He just won't do it. And yep. he, I mean, for God's sakes, what's the kid's name? Metter? The, the, the kicker uh, right. that came in for Drew Stevens. Um, never, never kicked the ball all year. You just go win the game for us, uh, regardless. Um, but, but not with this quarterback. So we'll see. Ty Thompson here tomorrow. Something to watch uh, very closely, um, with, without a doubt. And as you mentioned, Cade McNamara is not going to be ready for spring, and maybe Ty Thompson will be here, and he will be if that's the case. I want to take a minute. We don't do a lot of NBA. Uh, but we can't, I don't want to say, we're not ignoring the Tyrese Halliburton story. <laughs> sure. We truly aren't. It's just that the, we like to play the hits. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the NBA until we get to the, the playoffs is something that doesn't move the needle here locally. But Tyrese Halliburton is a cyclone and Tyrese Halliburton is an NBA player. Trent, what he's doing this year is nothing short of remarkable and the radars he's showing up on. Former NBA greats. I'm not talking about journeyman players. I'm talking about great players, coaches, uh, media personnel are finally taking notice of what he is doing at this level. Look, he was highly thought of in his draft year. Mm -hmm. There was some speculation he's going to go, you know, five, six, seven in that range. I don't remember the class, uh, the the guys that went ahead of him, but he fell down um, and and eventually um, obviously wound up. In, in, and I think he was like 11th, 12th. He was in the early teens. We're still a lottery pick, but late in the lottery, if memory serves. But Trent, my good God, what this guy is doing, not only handling the ball, distributing the ball, he's not turning over the basketball. He's scoring at 31 yesterday for crying out loud, 12 assists and no turnovers. And this isn't just last night. This is night after night for this cat. Five to one assist-to-turnover ratio, averaging 25 per game. He has been an absolute 
star and what happened in the in-season tournament i think where more people nationally got to know he's been known obviously in nba circles but that run to the championship against the lakers put him up to another level and they're a fun team to watch now they don't play a lick of defense i mean they 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 feel like the nuggets back in uh back in the 80s when (laughs) they're running up and down the floor with kiki vandaway and alex english and company they don't play a lick of defense but it's it's such a fun brand of basketball to watch the nba in general you know that's a lot of my late night viewing though college basketball Basketball is starting to bully its way back in now. And watching these games as a whole, they're averaging 124 points per game. Uh, the mm-hmm. Pacers are. NBA scoring is up almost 20 points per game from two decades ago. I mean, just unthinkable. Per team of 20 points wow. per game, what it is. NBA basketball, you're right. It's just not something that clicks here. It's not something that get people excited but watching somebody like Halliburton do these kind of things, being a star, hearing them talk about, and also a guy that still loves his university, though he was there yeah. just two years. He has so many good things to say about Iowa State, his time there, his connection with his dad, and talking about what a great interview he is and uh, hearing the old man talk. It's a great story. It really is one of those that is incredibly good. And thinking back, you know, him in Sacramento, how many times do we see a trade like that where Tyrese Halliburton elevates him Self to NBA star to potential first team all NBA type of player, yet it worked out for both sides. What a rarity mm-hmm. there because Sacramento finally, after what almost two decades of incompetency, make the playoffs for the first time a year ago. They get the big guy that they needed there, and then they give Fox the keys to the car. It's worked out for both teams incredibly well. But Tyrese kind of has a team of his own now with with the Pacers, and you're right. That's one. If they're on, definitely click over there a little bit more often. Yeah, no doubt about it. What, what a what a, uh, a professional basketball mecca that might be when it comes to our state. If indeed right. the WNBA draft goes as we think it will, I won't say her name. It pisses Cyclones off, and we're talking about one of theirs and Tyrese Halliburton, who is off to a just a phenomenal start. All right, we're going to talk to Dave Sinekin coming up on the Green Bay Packers. It's the Packers and it's the Bears, and it's the NFL's oldest rivalry. Uh, Jordan Love was terrific, I thought, against the Vikings on, on New Year's Eve. Um, I'm not saying he's going to be Brett Favre or Aaron Rodgers, but I think that they have the starter that they can work with for the foreseeable future. He's, he's had his moments this year. He's has good and bad, uh, but there's seemingly more good coming uh, out, of, out of Jordan Love. Uh, on the other side is Justin Fields. Trent, I, I think that this is one of the more fascinating topics that we're going to watch Soon we'll get our guy back um, on on the NFL draft uh, as we'll transition to that coming up here after the Super Bowl. But what are the Bears going to do? What potential King's ransom is out there should they decide to stick with Justin Fields and trade that number one pick, which everybody assumes is going to be Caleb Williams, um, to whomever wants that team? Boy, the Bears would be set for it. And, and let's not forget, they still have their own pick, which is going to be a top 10. Mm-hmm. So if you trade the number one overall, you're going to get another first round pick this year, probably more picks this year. And then I don't know, two or three more first rounders in subsequent years. It's fascinating. This story, I think, is going to not dominate because we love college basketball in our state, but certainly something that we don't want to ignore uh, as the Bears begin their offseason. It is crazy the opportunity that they have in front of them. You look at the teams that sit behind them right now. Washington needs a quarterback. Needs a quarterback. Patriots obviously need, need a, quarterback. a quarterback. The Giants need a quarterback. Need a quarterback. Uh, the Jets probably not. No. But you go down even deeper. Atlanta 
Could they yes. be making a move? Obviously, with Desmond Ritter not working out for them. I mean, they're going to Although be... Although he's, he's confident he's going to be the guy next year. And I saw that yesterday. And with Washington and the Patriots likely sitting at 2-3, and three, what does that create knowing that... Bidding if, war. Yeah, if, if it turns out what we anticipate, right? That Caleb Williams is the guy. I, Drake May, fine. Caleb Williams, yeah. though, he is different. He just is. He is mm-hmm. an incredible talent. And he is a talent. This is not a year... Where it's Jared Goff at the top, right? This is a true bona fide number one quarterback. And Drake May is good in his own route. But I think there is going to be a bidding war in what you do. You still need help on that offensive line. Certainly a tackle could be something. That defense has improved immensely. You could use a little bit help, more help off the edge. Offensive line, wide receiver. There are positions here. And the Bears, what they've done over these last two months, this is a good football team. Yes. This is not fanboy Trent because you know I rarely do that with the Bears. It is not something that comes. No, out you very finally looked down that tunnel and you've seen the light that I've told it that's out there. It, it absolutely is, and I didn't think we were going to get here with Justin Fields. You sold me initially. I got excited, and then very quickly that excitement got dissipated. What we've seen from him, also not just what he's done on the field, but there does feel like there is true leadership there. That this is somebody that this team is rallying around. That they want to have him be the quarterback, but. Sitting behind door number two is Caleb Williams. <laughs> I don't know how you say no to that. And not only Caleb Williams, Caleb Williams on a rookie contract. Rookie deal. That Absolutely. How have great teams been built so many times yep. here recently? It's yep. those teams that have quarterbacks on a rookie deal. And then you can augment the whole rest of the roster, two through 53, yep. with a whole lot more talent. That would be, for me, very difficult to turn down. No, I'm with you. I'm with you. But if you think Fields is your guy and you know, and you just said it, you hit the nail on the head, there's going to be a bidding war for that number one overall seed. Just real quick before we uh, take our break, and we'll get Dave Sinekin in here. Um, I mean, J.J. McCarthy, Michael Penix, Bo Nix. You mentioned Drake May. I'm sure we're missing one. Are we sold, 100% sold, that Caleb Williams is head and shoulders above any of these guys? I am. Are you? I, I am, yeah. I, I think, Penix because of his injuries? Yes. I mean, the way he flings the ball, he is so fun to watch. But he's And he's also 25, right? I yeah, mean, that's go, a good point. Going to be yep. turning 25. So that's another impact there. The injuries behind it. Just strictly as a thrower of the football. Oh, yeah. Jaden Daniels put the Heisman winner in there, too. <laughs> right. There's another one that you got to throw into the mix. It's a deep quarterback class. I, I think it's going to be incredibly intriguing. Uh, Bo Nix, how does it translate? Another guy that you know has bounced around for a while, starting his career at Auburn, and, and what he's going to be. It's intriguing. It's exciting. But I believe, I am in the camp, that Caleb Williams is number one. And all the smoke and all the fire that's going to be going around, and you know what it's going to be those two months leading into the draft, there's going to be a whole bunch of it, and they're going to be poking holes and every single thing. I see a guy that is significantly better as a prospect than everybody else in an incredible rookie class. Matt Manasarin's our draft guy that yes. I couldn't pull the trigger on, and he'll join us uh, starting, oh, some point uh, right after the Super Bowl. Speaking of newcomers back, or not newcomers, but guests back into the rotation, we'll get our guy Shelby Mast coming up on the on the brackets, uh, bracketwag.com. I saw he put out his most recent one, and uh, Shelby's been phenomenal uh, as he tries to forecast how the NCAA tournament is going to shake out, and he'll join us here coming up, as will our buddy Adam Ebenecker. 
as he gets back into things. And we'll tell you more about uh, Emenecker. He's going to join us every Tuesday at 12.05, as he has in the past. And one of my favorite places in Valley Junction, G-Migs, the good folks down at G-Migs, uh, making that possible. So Emenecker will join us, Miller and Condon, Tuesdays. And I believe with Heather and Sean, it's later in the week. I want to say Friday, but I could be mistaken. And I apologize if I am, but uh, t- uh, twice weekly with Emenecker. Seneca next on the Packers and the Bears. Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station 106.3. At wolfproofing.net. <laughs> Well, the season started. Welcome back, Miller and Condon, 106.3 KXNO. Season started with the Bears and the Packers at Soldier Field. It did not turn out well for the homestanding Chicago Bears. Lambeau Field's the scene of this one as the curtain comes down on the regular season for both of those franchises. Maybe the season uh, ends for both of those franchises. The Packers, so much to play for in this one. They will host the Chicago Bears, the league's oldest standing rivalry. And what a way to end the season. Dave Sinekin helps us out with the Bears, uh, with the Packers, rather, as he has for literally decades. KFAN in the Twin Cities. You can hear him Saturday morning. Uh, Packer preview, year 28 for Dave Sinekin on Packer preview on KFAN on the iHeart app or uh, Sunday mornings. Dave Trenton, Ken, thank you for coming on. Uh, appreciate it. And and here we go. It's the Bears and the Packers with the postseason on the line for the Pack. How are you, Dave? Happy New Year. Yeah, happy New Year to you guys. I did not have Green Bay controls their own playoff destiny in Week 18 on my bingo card, but uh, very happy to be here. I bet you are. You know, I want to go back before we go forward. Uh, the Minnesota game was all Packers. It was, it was all Jordan Love, Jones running the football, Melton coming out of nowhere, catching balls. Uh, he had, uh, uh, he had a, certainly a big, big game. Bo Melton did. Um, didn't see that coming either, uh, when, when he left the Big Ten. But, but I want to focus on Jordan Love, who I think is, you know, the Packers have a decision to make, right? At some point, just like the Bears are going to have to with their quarterback. Jordan Love has had his ups and downs this year. I'm seeing way more upside with Jordan Love at this point. Are you there, um, as far as you've come to grips with the fact Jordan Love is going to be the guy for the foreseeable future? And it's just a matter of how much that contract is going to be, uh, how much you're going to have to spend in that contract. Yeah, I don't know how you can look at it any other way, Ken, to be honest. Um, the way the, the uh, contract negotiations have worked out when they signed last year to the extension, they can't do anything until May. So they've got some time. On their hands, it's just going to be how many zeros, and and is it a Daniel Jones type contract or is it something higher? I mean, he's the highest rated quarterback in the league since week twelve. Uh, and you look at the company he's keeping with the statistics for the season. He's among the the Dak Prescott, Brock Purdy line. Those three guys are the only three quarterbacks with thirty plus touchdowns, and it's just the growth and doing it with, as you said, it's just a supporting cast of. Uh, wide receivers that come in and out because nobody can stay healthy and they're all first and second year guys. Uh, the arrow is clearly pointing up. I'm really excited for what the future might be with him. And, um, you know, again, just seeing the growth from that first game against the Vikings to what we saw Sunday night and how he learned and, and how he's grown. And yeah, it's exciting. I, again, I, I keep saying this. I, nobody knows what his ceiling is, but I think we know what his floor is, and mm-hmm. I don't think he'll ever be a bottom half of the league quarterback. If he stays healthy, he's got the tools to be a guy that can be in that top ten conversation year in, year out. I really believe that. 
Defense has been an issue. Now it changed last week against the Vikings. They're trying to figure out the quarterback position and didn't go very well for Jaron Hall against that Packer defense. So all good now. Everything's alleviated and this is going to be a good Packers defense. Is that what you believe, Dave? No, I, I kind of subscribe to like, you know, the Bears defense looks great because they're playing a lot of backup quarterbacks. Uh, Green Bay defense looked great because they played a non-functioning quarterback last week. There's still obviously a lot of issues with this defense, most notably on the back end where the, the cornerbacks are all seventh-round picks, although they think with Valentine they really hit with something. Um, but uh, the, the talent on the back end of the defense is, is not there. It's inexperienced, and good offenses can carve up Green Bay. Uh, I understand that. Um, there's still issues up front as well in stopping the run, and that'll certainly be an issue on Sunday with both the quarterback and the running backs. I think the best thing Green Bay could do is let that grass grow and make it as slow as possible. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure they're going to do all they can to make sure that's the case. Yeah, wouldn't blame him one bit. You know, uh, obviously Jair Alexander did not play disciplinary reasons, we think, uh, against the Vikings uh, last week. Will he be a part of the defense this week? Will Alexander uh, see playing time? Yeah, all indications are uh, that he'll be out there. He was very contrite with the media yesterday, owned it, realized he has to communicate better, in, meaning, of course, talk to your coaches, not just your boys, about what you plan to do. Um, so, yeah, I firmly believe he'll be out there uh, assigned the task of trying to keep D.J. Moore in check. And, you know, I like to think he's grown from it. I, I still think the, the whole Russell Douglas trade kind of derailed him mentally this year and into what the team was actually trying to accomplish when they, you know, traded away their most consistent cornerback who would, you know, look really good on this roster right now as they're trying yeah. to get into the playoffs and win. But at 3-6 and six when they made the deal and knowing he was a free agent to be and a third-round pick is dangled. It, it is hard to pass that up. But he's not the grown-up in the room. He's got to act like it. Uh, he was out practicing yesterday. I don't know if he's anywhere near 100%. The one game he played two weeks ago, he looked nothing like Jair Alexander. So I don't know what they get out of him, how much they get out of him. But um, it sounds like he's uh, learned his lesson. He's saying all the right things. And having 23 on the field cannot hurt Green Bay, that's for sure. Obviously, the conversation offensively has been about Jordan Love. We've talked about him, as we should, in the maturation we've seen from Love. But the return of Aaron Jones here the last couple of weeks, going over 100 yards, yes, you get more talent in that backfield. We know when he's right how good Aaron Jones can be. But how about the offensive line? What kind of growth you've seen here out of them and finally being able to get that run game going a little bit more? Yeah, it's it's huge. It's, I think, one of the undersold stories of the year. David Bakhtiari goes down early. And they bring in Rasheed Walker, a seventh-round pick from a year ago who really had no experience. And for a while early, he struggled. They were rotating Yash Nyman in, who we thought would get that call when Bakhtiari got hurt. Uh, but Walker's got better and better. And tell you what, with him on the left side, Zach Tom, I think, has a Pro Bowl-type upside on the right side. Uh, he makes pass rushers somewhat non-existent. Took Aiden Hutchinson out of the equation. Uh, last week, you didn't see Daniel Hunter do anything. So they're really set, I think, at tackle. And then on the inside, I think uh, there's be a changing of the guard as Sean Ryan has really moved in and taken some snaps away from John Runyon. He looks like the future at uh, right guard. And Jenkins, you know, when he's healthy, is a top side left guard. And the center, Josh Myers, is pretty good. So as a unit, outside of the left tackle, they've stayed healthy. Uh, they've gotten better. The whole offense has gotten more comfortable together. And uh, I think the stability up front and the way Green Bay just coaches offensive linemen and 
always has a stable of them. They overdraft at that position. I think is one main reason why they've had such success offensively over the last 10, 20, 30 years. Uh, Dave Sinekin's own coverage.com or KFAN up in the Twin Cities or on the iHeart app Saturday morning as well as Sunday. Saturday seems to more have a a focus uh, on the Minnesota Timberwolves, and I'm guessing that this is one of those years, first time, maybe in some, that you actually enjoy going to work and talking about the Timberwolves. They've been a phenomenal story. Yeah, I'll tell you what, Trent Tucker and I have been hosting In the Zone for the better part of 30 years now, and more years than not, we almost feel guilty talking about the Timberwolves as much as we want to because they're just bad so many years. And so it's, it really is fun and exciting that this franchise has turned the corner. They're going through a, a few little ripples right now as teams will, but, man, everything's changed up here in the Twin Cities when it comes to that team. And, and Trent and I have a blast, and now we don't feel bad about uh, devoting a good chunk of our two hours to the Wolves of the NBA. Can they make a real run? I mean, not just uh, they're obviously fighting for the number one seed, and you think, well, of course, but the NBA is a little bit different. There's always a building and a maturation process there. Can they make a run even to a Western Conference Finals? Is that realistic with this young of a team that hasn't done anything close to that yet? I, I, you know, I think it is just because I don't see a team that's just going to run away and hide. I think the Thunder are certainly in the same boat. They're young and, and have a ton of upside and with all their draft picks, they could add a couple players and, and get even stronger. The Nuggets are obviously the best team. But I think, you know, with Rudy Gobert and Mike Conley just being kind of the, the veterans that have been through years and years of playoffs, whether it's, you know, with Conley and Gobert in Utah or Conley in Memphis. Um, and then you got Anthony Edwards, who's, a, you know, a superstar who can lift your team on any given night and just do crazy things to get you a win. So, you know, I think the hope up here is, they play well enough to secure a top-four seed and, and get through the first round of the playoffs, something they haven't done since 2004. I think that's realistic. Can they make a run to the Western Conference Finals? I, I think they can. I'm still thinking they might be a year or so away from kind of figuring everything out. But um, they stay healthy, and Ant continues on his trajectory, and Carl Anthony Towns figures out his role and is comfortable with it. Yeah, I think they're going to be a factor in the West this year. And we'll finish up with your Sunday show, and the focus is on the Green Bay Packers. So let's look forward, Dave. Uh, and obviously, next time, uh, next week, when we talk, assuming that they are in the playoffs, will they be going to Dallas or will they be going to Detroit? Does it matter? In which way would you, which city would you prefer that they wound up in? All right. If we're going to just pretend that we've got things figured out, we're playing next week, which I'm not going to take for granted. Right. Um, I think you just historically, knowing that they just went up to Detroit and embarrass the Lions on Thanksgiving Day and what fuel Dan Campbell will use that for. I think I'd rather go to a stadium where the Packers have never lost and, and where they've won a Super Bowl and where they just seem to have Dallas's number. Mike McCarthy has that extra pressure of making sure he doesn't lose to the team that fired him. So I don't like Green Bay's chances in Dallas. I don't like Green Bay's chances in Detroit. But if I have to pick the two... Uh, take me to the place they've never lost, where they're confident, where they'll feel loosey-goosey and haven't played the team twice already. I'll I'll take a, a matchup with the Cowboys, I guess. And nothing personal to uh, the Bears fans, including the one I work with, mm-hmm. but I really hope we talk next week. Dave Sinekin, <laughs> better for business when the regional teams are alive. We've got the Chiefs, as we seemingly always in, uh, have into the playoffs. Let's get the Packers. Dave Sinekin, ZoneCoverage.com, KFAN, Saturday and Sunday mornings, of course, on the iHeart app. Thank you, Dave. Appreciate it, as always. 
Sounds good. Talk to you next week, guys. Ah. I love it. Good stuff. Dave Sinekin, zonecoverage.com. Zonecoverage.com for uh, for Dave Sinekin. Are we talking to him next week, Trent? No. You don't think so? Nope. Bears win this thing outright. Uh, And what is the point spread, by the way? Three. One of the few games where both of the quarterbacks are going to be on the field. Boy, oh, boy. This week 18 is not going as the NFL saw, are they? I saw a pretty incredible number here this morning. So we talk about these win-and-in scenarios, right? It feels pretty easy handicapping. Uh, This comes from Steve Mackinnon with VEASAN. Handicapping games that are playing at full strength in the final week of the regular season. Since 2011, in these types of games, underdogs are 22-9 and against the spread, 71%. Don't go into the final week of the NFL thinking you got to figure it out because this team doesn't care. It just doesn't happen at this level. Isn't that interesting? That's a big, big number, and that's a pretty good sample size as well. Well, let's do this. First four callers at 515-284-5966, 515-284-5966. It's a new year, uh, and the chicken coop is giving our whoever wins our weekly contest $50 to use as they wish at the chicken coop. The runner-up gets $20 in chicken wings from the chicken coop. There are three locations. If you have not participated in this contest in the last 30 days, now is your chance. We'll give you four games in a tiebreaker. You get the most right. You'll be eating good at the chicken coop, Urbandale, West Des Moines, or in Ankeny. Chicken coop giveaway next. Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3. 81. Hi, Miller and Condon. Welcome back to Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. Time to give four of our listeners an opportunity to win some chicken coop. Three locations, Ankeny, uh, just south of the DMAC campus uh, in West Des Moines. 50th or 60th, Trent? 60th. Get it wrong every week. 60th, 60th in Ashworth. And, in, of course, uh, out there in Urbandale as well. Chicken Coop, Dave and his crew at all three of them. Uh, you will not be disappointed at either one of those stops. Whoever wins this contest this week gets $50 to spend as they please. At the Chicken Coop, the runner-up gets $20 in wings, so you can't go wrong. I'm going to ask all four of you, Jim, Jason, Mike, and Dan, a question uh, that has nothing to do with this week. I'm just anxious to, what, uh, to hear what you have to say, and that is right now who's going to win the Super Bowl. Mm. But that's not part of the, quest- uh, the equation right now. Jim is up first. Jim, welcome to uh, Miller and Condon. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you guys? Doing well. Before we get into chicken coop, who's going to win the Super Bowl? Well, you know, I, it pains me to say it. I'm not a Chiefs fan, but I think they tend to get things together. Ah. They're going to come through. All right. We'll bark you down for KC. All right. Let's get into the chicken coop. Uh, this weekend, national championship, Monday night, Michigan is a four and a half point favorite over Washington. I like Washington. All right. Uh, the FCS championship, South Dakota State, big favorite, 12 and a half over Montana. Yeah, I'll take the favorite. Okay, South Dakota State for you. Uh, Saturday night, Houston and Indy, AFC cross, uh, crown is on the line. Pick them. Who do you want, Houston or the Colts? The Colts. And Sunday night football, Buffalo on the road at Miami. I was surprised at this line. They're a two and a half point favorite over the Dolphins. I'm going to take the Dolphins. Dolphins for you. And here's the tiebreaker, Jim, obviously to be used only if necessary. Uh, this is closest without going over. Justin Fields' total passing yards. 
212. 212. Jim, Happy New Year. Thanks for listening to KXNO. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Jason is with Miller and Condon. Hello, Jason. How are you? How are you guys doing? Doing well, Jason. Who wins the Super Bowl? Um, I'm going to go with the Ravens. Taking Baltz. All right. Here's the chicken coop contest for this week. Michigan, four and a half over Washington Monday night. Um, give me uh, Michigan. South Dakota State, 12 and a half point favorite over Montana. I'll take South Dakota State. Houston at Indy. Who do you want in that? That's a pick em, right? Yes, sir. Um, I'll take Houston. And Buffalo's a two and a half point favorite over the Dolphins. Uh, I'll take... Uh... I'll take the Dolphins. Uh, tiebreaker, Jason. Uh, Justin Fields' total passing yards closest without going over. Uh, 142. 142. Happy New Year. Thanks for listening to KXNO, Jason. Appreciate it. Thanks, Thanks um, Happy New Year. Th- and to you, uh, to, uh, Jason. Thank you. Uh, Mike's with Miller and Condon. Hi, Mike. Hello. Who wins the Super Bowl? I'm going to go with the Niners. Niners for you, SF. Uh, Michigan's a four and a half point favorite over Washington. Breaking up there. Um, can you hear him, Trent? Yeah, no, he was cutting out. What do you got, Mike? Washington. Washington for you. South Dakota State, 12 and a half over Montana. I'm going to go with the underdog. I'll take Montana. Montana. Houston, Indy, pick them. I'll take Indy. Buffalo, the Bills are a two and a half point favorite at Miami Sunday night. I'll take the Bills. All right. Uh, here's the tiebreaker, Mike. Justin Fields' total passing yards closest without going over. 155. 155. Mike, thanks for listening to Kicks and O. Appreciate it. Thank you. Bye. Uh, and Dan brings the chicken coop contest to a close for another week. Hi, Dan. Hello. Who wins the Super Bowl, Dan? Hello? Turn your radio down, would you, Dan? Turn your radio down. Going Hello? once. There he are. You there, Dan? Hello. Yeah, we Turn got your you, radio Dan. down. <laughs> Commissioner Condon, I think that you got. It's almost time we throw Dan out of this. We got one more chance, I'm Dan. Here. Did I'm you? Here. Tr- You're, is your radio on or off? It's off now. All right. Who wins the Super Bowl, Dan? Uh. Really struggling to hear you. I don't know if you're on a Bluetooth or... San Francisco. All right. San Francisco. (laughs) Who do you want Monday night? Michigan's a a four-and-a-half-point favorite over Washington. Washington. South Dakota State, 12-and-a-half to Montana. South Dakota. Houston versus the Colts. Pick them. Colts. Buffalo, two-and-a-half at Miami. Uh, Miami. Uh, Justin Fields, total passing yards, tiebreaker. Closest without going over. 147. Thank you, Dan. Have a happy new year. Appreciate it. You too. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. Appreciate the chicken coop for doing that. So we had two Niners, Mm -hmm. a Baltimore, and a Kansas City. Pretty good selection of teams. San Francisco out of the NFC. Home free? Uh, no, not home free. Who, who who gives them the biggest threat? Don't know. But this is something that, as I was going through their schedule, San Francisco, right? That's who you're talking about? Yes, yes. Going through their schedule. They had the three-game losing streak. That was out without mm-hmm. Trent Williams. Okay. But what have they done in close games? Lost. 
when games have been close, that's where the L's have. Have we seen that Brock Purdy come back? Have we seen them down 10, come charging back even against a bad opponent? It hasn't happened very often this year. Games are tighter, a little closer. Mm-hmm. Somebody gives them a fight. All of a sudden, it's something they haven't been in. I don't think it's the cakewalk. It feels like it is on the surface. If they get that tough game, how do they respond? We don't know. They're, you know. We talked about the bully teams earlier. We talked about Miami and Dallas a lot, kind of being those bully teams that beat up on the little guy. Maybe we can consider San Francisco the same thing because they just haven't had those kind of games throughout the course of the season. And when they got punched in the mouth by, by Baltimore, they mm-hmm. did not respond very well. No, they did not. Cincinnati had Joe Burrow when, uh, mm-hmm. when Cincinnati them. Uh, Cleveland beat them. I can't recall who the quarterback was. That was a close game. Who was their other loss um, in yep. that streak? Oh, it was the, the Vikings. Yeah. It was the Vikings. That Monday night game. Uh, and the Monday nighter against uh, against the Vikings. They fell uh, in that game. So And Cousins played in that game. I'm pretty sure. Sure he did. Uh, the, the injury came after that. So, interesting. Um, I mean, you make valid points. I, I, can't, I can't dispute any of them. It's just... And there's something about this team with Trent Williams. But you go back to Christmas night and you're 100% right. They were embarrassed. And I don't think that that was a bad loss. I really don't. No. I think that that was a reset. Mm-hmm. And we'll we'll see. Obviously, we we won't read anything at all into this week's game against the, uh, the Rams. Um, then they get... A week off before they uh, before they begin their playoff push, but it goes through Levi Stadium in Santa Clara, um, Dallas, maybe. Yeah. Well, mm. Detroit, maybe. I would be more willing to go Detroit than than the other one. That is for sure. If that, if we saw that, I just I can't get away from the memory. I know it was a it feels like a million years ago when the Forty mm-hmm. ers and Cowboys faced off, but I can't get that one out of my head. Hey, you mentioned yesterday on our TV show, Circa's got a prop up right now. You get either the Ravens or the 49ers to win the Super Bowl. It was minus 115 on the yes, no on each side yesterday. It's now yep. just minus 120 on the yes side, minus 110 on the no. I was surprised by that. I thought it would be a more significant number to get both the Ravens and the 49ers in your back pocket at that kind of price. I almost feel like I need to put one in there, right? <laughs> I, I need to have that at least part of the resume. That's one that I think is super intriguing to get down on one of those two teams. Yeah, because it certainly feels like, look, one of the one seeds, the way the Baltimore Ravens are playing right now, they're unbelievable. Um, you make valid points about the Niners. Maybe it's not just the cakewalk that's, uh, you know, that's certainly when they beat Philadelphia, when they beat Dallas the way that they did, their losses, the good teams anyways, Joe Burrow and Cincinnati, and of course Lamar Jackson and Baltimore won't see them. Well, you won't see Cincinnati. They're not going to participate. Hour two coming up. Matt Postens kicks it off. Big 12 basketball talk to start. Hour two on 106.3K. Yeah,